Hello and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. My guest today is Carissa Mann. Carissa is a serial entrepreneur, business advisor and startup investor. After 16 years in a corporate role climbing the ladder, she decided in 2017 to start out on her own, convinced that business can be used as a force for good. As a CEO of Play Solutions PTE LTD, she is involved in brand spanning diverse sectors such as construction, wellness, consulting, pet care and acoustics. I know you'll enjoy today's podcast, but enough from me. I'll hand over to Carissa. What interested you in being an entrepreneur? What what drove you to that as a as a career pathway? About an, being an entrepreneur, I was particularly interested in the fact that you can set a culture of a business. So I had come to the realization that I would be a good CEO. And then immediately thought, well, why would I run someone else's business? And the fact that as a founder, you can set the tone of the company, you can set the culture, you can you can define how do we approach a market how do we how do we do our sales? How do we treat our people? What do we stand for? And that I found really attractive. It was one of the main reasons why at that point when I did, I decided to start my own business because I had the feeling that many of the businesses around, when I listened to my friends, you know, when they talked about the bigger companies they worked for, didn't sound particularly attractive for me to join them. And I just thought we can do business in a better way. And since I couldn't necessarily find the culture I wanted to join, I needed to start my own companies and yeah, build companies that are like that. Yeah, that, uh, thank you for that response. I guess that, that, that culture word always is an activator for me. Um, is there elements of business culture that you railed against or you were happy just to do something in your own way that made you feel comfortable in that space or was it something else? Yeah, just a general approach, how I would say most businesses are structured nowadays. I just don't feel this sets all of us up for success. So neither actually the sustainability of the businesses nor the people working for them, because no matter what, you know, what companies write on their mission statements, when you look at the reality of it, um, most people that I spoke to that work for bigger companies don't feel particularly um, valued, do not necessarily understand what their part in the big mission of the company is. And when we see how companies drive behaviors through the KPIs that they set, usually driven by shareholder value, I just had the feeling that this entire setup of how business in itself is structured can't really work, at least not to make anyone happy in there. So it's already how sales is done in companies. So um, I know many people that, that when they're driven by quarterly results, how can you actually give real good advice to a client where maybe it would be the right advice that they do first a couple of other things before they maybe look at implementing your solution or maybe even say, look guys, actually in your case, I don't think we are the right solution. And this company might come back three years later for a different solution you provide because you're genuine, you actually put your client first. Now, companies usually say that they're client focused. I yet have to meet them, right? Because usually they are shareholder value driven. And this then at the same time is highly demotivating for the staff there. So 
the entire thing that um, I find that normal life is usually treated as a problem for employees. No matter if it's a maternity leave, um, if someone is sick, um, what you actually want to do in life, you have to pretend to your employer that this is not so important, that, that your work is much more important. That's not the reality of life. So I believe in building a company culture where very realistic that your private life is probably going to be your most important thing. Now, when you come to work, I need you to perform. But by us having a real conversation about topics that usually now due to corporate culture, actually, and regulations we can't even talk about, um, and integrate them, say so like, yes, so you have a child at home, and this is the most important thing for you. So let's see how can we integrate this in a way that this actually works for both of us. And then if if uh, your mother is elderly and sick, and maybe you need to put more focus there, let's talk about this realistically. And so instead of making the human factor a problem, uh, a human resource, let's, let's be realistic about it, that these are people working in a company that does, at the end of the day, something for other people. And that is more what, 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 what is driving me. Yeah, it sounds like that thinking and oh, look, I'm, I'm 100% behind what you've just said is some of the thinking that I'm hearing around uh, how some leaders and entrepreneurs were looking at dealing with the COVID um, issue and the impact on the workplace that once there was a realisation that you could have different models of work, then the discussion comes around how do you model a job to suit the employee, but that they can give you maximum, um, maximum, uh, hundred percent of their capability to help you achieve what you need to achieve, but achieve some balance with other things in their lives. And COVID nineteen was obviously a, a a public health concern, but as we come out of it, you would hope that people have learned some of the lessons that you're talking about i have my doubts but i'm, I'm sure the conversation is going to be kept going because the i think the 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 leveler here the leveler of the playing field at least in terms of how do you have that discussion around what my job needs to look like more and more employees are asking that question in interviews they're going back to the employer going well you said there wasn't hybrid options but let's talk about that if you want me as the person doing the job and uh, at least in an Australian context, that is becoming more of an issue that is being um, discussed now. I think it's a good thing. Uh, but that said, there are some jobs that it's just very difficult to make hybrid because of the nature of the industry or the nature of the job. And one that stands out to me is things like medicine. So if you have an emergency, you can't, the doctor can't do that from home and possibly successfully get you over the line. But um in some white collar jobs where it's a uh, say policy or analysis or numbers, you don't necessarily need to be in an office to be productive. And what you've alluded to, and it's a discussion for another time, I guess it's what does productivity actually look like? And at, at what point are you happy about a person's productivity where you can be flexible without making them feel like they owe something to the business more than just, their time to do the job and it, it's a big question and it's definitely a culture and people question so uh, yeah look we could go down that that rabbit hole but thank you for bringing that up now on on our discussion i asked uh, you to think about defining 
leadership and entrepreneurship, but I'd like to start with the second one first. How do you define entrepreneurship and where do you think that differs to leadership? If there is a difference, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that for you to, to decide. So an entrepreneur for me is someone who spots a problem, comes up with a solution, and then builds a company that delivers that solution to the relevant market. Um, in that form, it's also different uh, to me like from a founder per se or a business owner because you could have arrived there a different way. So that entrepreneurial spirit for me is that. So spotting opportunities or spotting problems, coming up with how could we solve that. Um, for me, I, I, I tend to say that the entrepreneur is the someone. So people say, oh, someone should invent a self-cleaning plate. The entrepreneur is the someone who does it. Um, and so that quality, that that uh, ability to see those issues and making that possible is for me that that quintessential entrepreneurial thing. It usually means that you have to bring together quite a few different knowledge areas. And most entrepreneurs that I know are also a little bit shorter in their attention span. I'm definitely one like one like that. Um, so. The, the big problems are fun and interesting, and once it gets more into a more secure water, um, it doesn't get isn't that interesting anymore. You would hope that most entrepreneurs are also at least decent leaders, um, while by far the majority of leaders will not be entrepreneurs. And for me, the the essence of a leader is someone who can rally people behind a common cause and then inspire, or I guess motivate it because you could use force, I guess, um, them to action. And um, so usually entrepreneurs have a big pulling force um, as in a big vision. It's usually the product or the problem that wants to be solved. So that business thing that, that drives people forward. Um, a leader per se, though, hopefully will use hmm. actually when I think about it, so it, it depends what type of leader you want to be. So if you want to be the dictator or more like the benevolent father, beloved father figure, um, because you can obviously motivate if you're dictator people with military force. Now, if you're a business leader, you probably don't have that that option for you. Um, but yeah, as a, as a as a good leader, you want your people to stay. You want them to go the distance. You need to to come up with a strategy. So we have the common goal. You need to come up with a strategy that people will believe in, and then they can follow and implement. And then you're more like herding them along, like like the shepherd, to make sure that this is achieved. The entrepreneur might have left the building by the time by the time that you that you shepherd them, um, and might sure. Be <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put that. I I really like your response there, where you talk about the entrepreneur having either a product or a or a um, or a cause that they're um, pursuing, and that that the strength of that is what draws followers to him or her to achieve an outcome and what 
I think is the, would be the next question from that for me would be, does that necessarily mean the entrepreneur has the skills to manage those people as they're coming along to chase that vision or do you hope they have it? Because I, I would I would put this to you not not as a um, an attack on entrepreneurs. I think critical to how we function in our markets around the world in, in a social and a business context. But um, is is the leadership trait in entrepreneurs something that is innate in them, or is it something that they need to learn, or something in between? I would say that generally the skill set of leadership is a separate one from whatever else, what whatever other role you have. So if someone is a good leader or not, does not necessarily have to do with the fact if they're a good entrepreneur or not. So since one of the important things that I see in leadership is that common cause, and entrepreneurs usually have that, um, they can often, as I said earlier, drive people with that common cause because people, other people might see that this is a great idea. This business might go somewhere. So it might be the hope of being part early in something that's gonna become very successful that drives them. Actually, a lot of entrepreneurs are not good leaders and don't have that skill set. And I think there it will then depend how far they actually get with their company and how long they personally stay in power in that company and should stay in power in that company, probably is very closely related to how good leaders, how good a leader they are. Because yeah, I think many, many entrepreneurs are not innately good leaders because actually some of the traits that make someone probably a good entrepreneur makes them maybe a little bit more on the narcissistic side of, of the personality spectrum, which can be extremely helpful in pushing certain things forward in the early stages of um, of a business. But I think it's very difficult to scale that. So, but it is, I guess, for them something they can improve if they want to, if they have the actual interest in learning how to how to lead people better. So yeah, if, if an, entre an entrepreneur, I think, is not by nature um, a good leader, but you, of course, have entrepreneurs that combine those two skills or learn it yeah that's that's a that's a really interesting response I, I think it triggers in my thinking a little bit that sometimes with leadership you've got to choose to be a leader and in the entrepreneurial space maybe you choose not to be at times because you don't think that there's a need uh for it um I, I, I really don't know enough about the um the, the typical psychological profile of an entrepreneur. Uh, I think we're all a bit narcissistic. Everyone has some narcissistic traits. Um, that's just a human thing. But, um, yeah, what, what traits make an entrepreneur, I think, is worth uh, a discussion. And I know there's literature around how do you differentiate the entrepreneur from the non entrepreneur and I guess the non leader. And you kind of flagged in your response around traits of the entrepreneur. So I might get a bit more specific and ask you, what do you think are key and critical entrepreneurial capabilities that you think are needed by entrepreneurs to be effective? Problem solving, I think is the number one, because you probably don't even become an entrepreneur without being able to spot a problem. But the entire journey until a company is stable is basically only one problem after the other. 
so high ability of problem solving, being comfortable with the unknown, um, having a good approach on how do you go about finding answers where you know you don't know the answer. You can't ask anyone because it's literally you're doing something new. Probably nobody has done it before. You will run into things that there is nobody you can ask. So how do you go about that? How do you find an answer? Um, decision making. I have to say this is also a very big one for leaders, actually. You have to make decisions. And as an entrepreneur, you need to be very comfortable in making decisions because otherwise nothing uh, moves forward. You have to have um, basic business skills and an eye for that, or you need to be realistic enough to know that you don't have it. You need to get very early someone in that helps you with this side um, because it's surprising how many people develop a product where there is no market or there's no there is not enough money into it to make this viable and you spent maybe years of your life invested into this and it just doesn't run. So if you don't have it yourself, you need to find someone very quickly that can fill that gap. Um, a tolerance to risk. It's very scary out there on the ledge on your own. So going that 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 step yourself that you're starting out a business and uh, you're going for it. So yeah, tolerance. Relatively high risk tolerance is definitely an entrepreneurial trait. And you need to be able to learn very quickly of many about many different topics. So I think quite a few people actually, I think, come to entrepreneurship being a specialist in an area. But especially if they're going to repeat this, you know, serial entrepreneurs usually become the ones that actually see that they can learn about many, many different topics, because no matter where you start, from which angle you start, no matter if you started because you wanted to build a better culture or because you wanted to solve a specific problems, very quickly you you have to deal with all the things from labor law to tax to marketing to, pro, pro, well, if you're producing something uh, physical production, it's an un unbelievable amount of things that you need to learn. And I think as an effective entrepreneur, you're the type of personality that loves that fact and doesn't loathe it. Um, yeah, 100%. And all of those things ring true, uh, at least in my experience from the people that I've spoken with. I, I, I use different terms because I don't know enough about that world to be confident to use the same language you have. But it seems to me outsider looking in that, um, the the effective entrepreneur, and I'm not talking about your uh, Richard Branson's or Elon Musk of the world. I'm, I'm talking at at um, at the normal human level of entrepreneurship and success. That there's something that drives entrepreneurs to do what they do that isn't a drive necessarily in the broader population. I think there's a reason there's good reason for that because if it was an easy thing to do or we all had it, we would all, there wouldn't be a separate category for this. We would all just be doing this all the time. And I, I think you need, a, and we talked about this offline, I think you need a mix of those people in any successful business enterprise, the the founder, the entrepreneur, the the the, P, the ideas person, the person that sets that, that vision that gets everybody in. But I don't think there's any, you don't lose face or ego by saying, I don't know how to run the business operationally, but I'm going to get people that can do that 
and I'm going to then extend and spend my time in the idea space to a point because I guess as the business grows, the entrepreneur, like you, you almost hinted at, you get bored after a certain amount of time and you wanted the next challenge, whatever that looks like. So how long you might stay with with the idea that you've helped germinate the process, the the product, I think is um is there's a time dependency there. Would you agree with that with the entrepreneurs that you've met that you're easily bored if the challenge isn't there? Yes. So and it also has to do with the fact that part of that entrepreneurial mindset is that you see so many opportunities everywhere. I, I mean, at least two, three ideas come, come to me every week. I have a long list of, of, you know, other businesses to build problems to solve. And then when, when one of them reaches a point where it can basically run without me, um, there are all these other interesting things to do. And then, as you said, I absolutely agree with that, that you have to get in people that, do the doing a lot better. Actually, it's it's the immediate flip side of being someone who is more of a generalist, right? And, and, and is able to do all these things in the very early stages of a business because it's important. You, for most of us, if you just start a business, you don't already have the massive infrastructure that you have accounting and all that. So in the beginning, you have to do it yourself. It also has the advantage that you understand the structure of the business really, really well. So I find this step actually really important. But as soon as you grow a little bit, um, you need to get in people that do the actual doing of each single bit a lot better than, than I would do. Um, otherwise, I, I don't think I would be um, good in what I do because I, my strength is to be the generalist, right? And then I need to move on to something else where I can use this again. And I think this is partially why it then also becomes boring because I know that my strength is not to optimize efficiencies by another 2%, right? To go to improve efficiencies by 100% because things are still awful and I can still see, oh my God, we have so far to go. Yes, that's interesting, right? Um, but then I think um, someone else needs to come in. And so that's also why I think there are many different types of leaders, right? I mean, the the CEO role, the someone who brings it into more more stable waters who can then grow this and i think there is a lot of value in it but in most cases i don't think the perfect person for that is is the, the entrepreneur yeah um, yeah you, you've you've convinced me i'm a convert i think it's that idea of the challenge that is the driver and it, it makes some sense given all the traits sorry capabilities that you talked about before the the tolerance for change that ambiguous nature of things, the um, wanting to solve a problem or uh, get in a service or a process that doesn't exist or to look at, you know, I, when you said I, I think two or three ideas a week, I'd be hard pressed to one a month or one a year. And even then you're like, nah, that's too, it's, it's too, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. And I think, yeah, I look without understanding fully people's motivations for what they do and, people's motivation to be an entrepreneur may vary like why people become leaders a very different reason so someone that plays in a social enterprise space that wants to do entrepreneurialism to solve those wicked problems say in uh, developing in the third world or developing for uh, um, uh, in a cultural for uh, people somewhere that no government can can do or get invested in 
that stuff, that those wicked problems are, I would think, fertile ground for those with an entrepreneurial mindset. Um, but, you know, having not played in that space, look, I think it's an interesting question to keep talking about. But you've brought up something that I, I want to meld, if I can, with the next area around a, a post, if you like, COVID-19 workplace. Do you think entrepreneurs have changed the way that they do their their thing because of COVID or was COVID just another challenge for entrepreneurs? How, how do you think that was met by your tribe in that sense? I think entrepreneurs by major default, many entrepreneurs um, are so used with, with encountering challenges that they probably fared better with the challenges of COVID-19. Having said that also, they have a massive advantage. And that is if you are in charge and also if you're still smaller and still if the business is still malleable, you can make changes so quickly. A large organization that might have nothing to do with the willingness, they can't within two or three weeks or three months or maybe three years, totally changed their processes. We changed within, I think, one of the things when when, when COVID was just coming up, how we actually um, interacted with our clients. I had the idea on the, on the Thursday night and on Monday morning, we had changed the process, right? Because it's just possible as, as, as a younger, smaller business that is changing all the time anyway. So a startup is usually still changing all the time anyway. Now, for bigger businesses, I really think that COVID-19 was a big opportunity to really spot that um, by making certain changes that maybe culturally are a little bit difficult, right? Uh, so, for example, giving people that work in an worked in an office before and were there from 9 to 5 on Australia, probably from 7 to 3.30, um, that, they, that maybe they could be in the office, but maybe they could also do that from home. And, um, yeah, I think there is a lot of um, learning there to, to be done. Now, I think from a leadership standpoint, if that is truly possible in a company, has a lot to do with the leadership style and with your need for control. So actually, my company, I, I was, I was um, early on there, actually already in 2019, I had made a decision that uh, we will actually actively hire people that are attracted by working from home. So, you know, COVID-19 coming, but the fact that we didn't meet for coffees anymore in the middle didn't make a big difference. Um, but other companies that I spoke to that basically stopped that in their track, although from the pure workload, it could have been easily done from home. But the culture was so ingrained that people had to be in the office and supervised that nobody, not the leaders, nor the team could deal with the situation that suddenly they were at home and could unsupervised do other stuff than work. And that, of course, then shows a cultural challenge and a motivational issue with those employees that I think it was a good thing for them to notice that during COVID because they probably also had a problem before. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think where I would extend the conversation a little is around the need in certain business cultures for people to have a, that social interaction through the day as part of their uh, process um, 
in terms of engaging in the world of work. And what I mean by that is having that pre-meeting chat with your colleagues, the coffee, the the social interaction bit is, I think, something people inherently need because we're social creatures. This this was the and this is a very interesting debate. And look, this podcast is about you, but just if you can allow me a slight little tangent, this idea that we need to be in herds and working together that way. I think that's a genetic thing. We're, we're social animals. We want to be together. The reality of it is we knew when we were facing something that if we did congregate that way, you could get people sick. And then that has fatal potential consequences for your family, their family, other families. And so it really threw a spanner in the works of fucking use that, um, that saying that, we had to get used to doing something different. I think once we're clear of that, um, I wonder how quickly we'll return to type and people won't adapt the learnings from what is a catastrophic event to do something different. And I think the only way I, I would measure this as a success for those that, that are led, the employees, your team, the human beings that you're working with, if there's a resistance from um, swathes of, of employees in different industries going, no, we want discussions around um, not not work from home necessarily, but hybrid work arrangements that suit the life um, challenges that your employees are facing while still delivering for the business. And that creates all sorts of leadership conundrums and problems, as well as I think problems for the entrepreneur because it's going to change the landscape that you're working in because you've got to work with people as well and so if they're not there to follow you with your vision you're on your own so much like leadership if you don't have people to lead are you leading something um if the entrepreneur doesn't have people around them are they going to solve a problem or create a a, a thing or, or 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 a process i'm not sure and it look we could we go into rabbit hole with that but we won't for this discussion but i would like to get your sense of it do you think this has got people thinking more post-COVID or do you think we might go back to old styles of thinking? I do think that it changes the thinking of people. Will every company change their policies? Of course not, right? Most of the companies, I think, were extremely happy to go back to how things work. But I can definitely see that on the side of the employees or candidates looking for roles, Companies that offer at least hybrid working are a lot more attractive. So I think actually um, maybe the, the employee market will actually drive it a bit more. And as with everything in life, it I think always depends on the context. People are hugely different. Some people actually totally love working from home would be perfectly happy never having to see their colleagues again in person because they hate the, the interactions. They hate when it's their birthday and they get a cake. Other people thrive on that, right? And only do their work. Also, this might be one of their biggest strengths. The, the If they're the connectors, right? The fact that they're the ones that glue it together. So actually for them, for any role they take, this actually would be essential in order to be effective. So I do think that um, we just have to be realistic that there is no one size fits it all here. So I do think in for many companies, and actually we're going to do the same is eventually, the hybrid model of giving people a choice, 
Um, also having certain core days when people do meet and you also know that someone else will be there is important. There is also clearly stuff you lose. So the fact that you're not sitting in an office and you're there, there is nothing that really replaces that. Maybe walking by and you see your boss sits is free and you just pop in and you share something with them that on a, on a, a scheduled Zoom call, you you wouldn't because that it's just not that day, right? So I do think that's really important. I think for companies that already exist and that are bigger, these changes are so difficult because you also still have the same people. If you are a startup and you're still hiring, this is different because you can now change your 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 approach and you can also hire the right people for it so when i said in 2019 i already made this decision everyone i hire having said they also like you said before there are certain roles where you can't have flexible working hours and work from home it's similar if you, your plumber can't work from home it's just not possible right but in the roles where it's possible i specifically chose people that are the type of people for whom working from home was a massive advantage, very attractive, and also the kind of personalities that that take to that. And as you also mentioned before, there's also a clear understanding. What does it mean they 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 did their work, right? Um, for so yeah, startups can now hire people that actually thrive in that surrounding if they are the kind of company that actually can easily work remotely. Now there is certain work, development work, uh, where you have to collaborate so much that actually being physically together, looking at drawings together, sketching stuff out, that has to be in person. So I think it really depends on, but then maybe they work uh, two weeks on a sprint. I know companies that do that. Two weeks for a sprint, they're all in one room, they do it together. The next four weeks, you can you can work from wherever you want to. That can also be a great approach. Yeah, uh, the the big learning there for me is that word you use, the the flexibility going forward. And um, I didn't think too much about the size of the business. So if you're a small startup, it's a lot easier to be flexible and have these awesome discussions about being flexible. But if you've got thousands of people relying on you and, and the business is a big corporate um, entity, then, yeah, that gets a lot more difficult to do one interesting conversation I had not not I wish I'd recorded this conversation but the person talked to me said have you ever considered the kind of um, cultural issues you're going to face where you've got a hybrid of blue collar white collar workers where people that have to turn up every day physically because of the nature of the work see their colleagues in offices being able to plan and have hybrid work arrangements where they can't and that that degree of uh, separation and almost why do they get special treatment and we don't, that is also going to have impacts on some work cultures going forward. And the interesting thing from, from my perspective as someone who's curious about leadership is how the hell do you manage those interactions and keep good people working for you? And, you know, it's it would be hard to walk up to someone to say, look, you've got a technically difficult job but you need to be physically here. Otherwise the job can't get done. Um, if they decide, well, that's not good enough. I'm going somewhere else. They're going to find that problem. Any other employer they go to. So uh, it's, it's a, it's an amazingly interesting problem. Krista, this has been an excellent discussion. I just have one more question for you. It's around the nature versus nurture. So 
are entrepreneurs born or are they made? If you would have asked me about leaders, my answer would be different. But entrepreneurs? That quintessential entrepreneur, I think they are probably born. Oh, and it's a good controversy, thing. controversy. All right. Give me the why to that response, please. <laughs> that the fact that it gives you an inner thrill to solve problems and that you are willing to walk over glass and you actually think this is a fun life, I don't think you can train. Now, we can create a safer environment um, when it comes to failure, to 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 allow a broader range of people that actually have that in them, but maybe would be afraid to live that. So to lower the barrier, this we can definitely do from a, from a surrounding. Um, so that someone can learn how to start a business and to be a founder, that absolutely can be trained. But that's not how I see that, that you know, that entrepreneurial spirit that's deep in your gut and you actually think that's going to be fun and let's just do this again. Um, I do think this probably is a bit in your nature. Yeah, that's an amazing answer and a good way to end the conversation. Carissa, thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure. I'd really like to thank Carissa for her time today. I've got a lot more to do in the entrepreneur space and I'm grateful to her for sharing her learnings along that pathway. As always, thank you for joining us and supporting the podcast. Please drop a like if you like what you're hearing or better yet, please subscribe to help me grow this channel. Take care of yourselves, have a great week and we'll catch you all on the next edition of Talking Leadership TV.